You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Skate Podcast, talking Bruins hockey with WEI Bruins writers Scott McLaughlin, Bridget Prue, and Brian DeFelice. Lace them up for some bees talk. It's Odyssey's The Skate Pod on WEI. Woo! Welcome into episode 278 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Prue and Scott McLaughlin. Bridget and Scott, the Bruins' homestand post-All-Star break has concluded. We'll dive into all of it. We might as well start right away. Their latest game was a win over the Dallas Stars. Uh, Bridget Scott, opening shifts. Bridget, want to go first? Sure, I will go first. So I guess it makes sense for me to go first, too, because this is the first thing that happened. It happened before the game. Um, it was Marshawn's 1,000th game celebration, and we got a chance to see um, all the you know the video tribute that they, they do in the beginning, but then also in the – first media timeout of the first period they they did a video where players from around the league um reached out and said congrats to Marshawn and that included uh some guys that he skates with in the summer like McKinnon and Crosby uh Krug you know some of the former teammates around the league uh, Tyler Sagan was in the video as well um but former teammates were in the one that are retired now or, or in the Bruins organization were in the ones um in the pregame and, and that was Zidane Ochara, David Krejci, Patrice Bergeron, uh, Ray Bork. And Marshawn after the game told me that yesterday, Bobby Orr called him and he thought that was like unheard of. Like he, he couldn't believe that uh, he was getting a phone call from Bobby Orr. Um, so it's been great. He said he's had so many people reach out for his 1000th game um, and they got the win for it. So uh, it looked like it could have been, you know, kind of a, a day that got a little bit of the win taken out of it. But uh, instead, Marshawn, who decided, apparently decided to fight slash hug uh, during the game and then had an important role later in the shootout. And um, it, it ended up being a memorable day for, for him with the ceremony and just the way that things turned out with the win. Yeah, I, f- I feel like... Brad Martian being surprised by a call from Bobby Orr is kind of like when Taylor Swift still acts surprised when she wins awards. It's like, dude, you're in the group. Like, like you're, you're a Bruins legend, you know, you, you get calls from other Bruins legends. Um, I, I think this surprise more comes from like, when you, when you think about it, when you're a kid, like, do you, like when you first see yeah. this moment, you don't really like it, it doesn't come until it's right there and you are actually experiencing it. That that's what, I mean, think about it. If you were growing up as a kid and you were like a, you know, a big NHL fan, you want to make the NHL, it would be huge if Bobby R randomly called you at any point for any reason. So mm-hmm. he, 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 he does, ra- he does randomly call me sometimes. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, lucky yeah, yeah. you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, yeah. So my, my opening shift is perhaps the other biggest story from the day. And that was the 
NHL debut of Justin Brazo and his first NHL goal. Uh, got he was signed he was on an AHL contract so they had to sign him to an NHL contract it's a two-year two-way deal cap hit of 775,000 and he gets called up uh, before yesterday's game makes his debut at 26 years old it's been a a long road for him he was undrafted out of the OHL Uh, his first three pro seasons he spent time bouncing between the AHL and the ECHL Never had an NHL contract. Started out in the Toronto organization. This is his third year with the Bruins. Um, but you know he's he's really made a push and and risen up the ranks. Um, you know, call him a late bloomer, or whatever. But uh, he he had a strong training camp and, and preseason for the Bruins. And people may not remember this, but he hung around pretty deep into training camp which obviously is a sign of like a guy that the team wants to keep taking a look at. At one point they even, they announced that he had been sent down to Providence camp. And then he was back at practice the next day and played in the next preseason game again. So it was almost like even after they caught him the first time, they're like, well, you know what? Wait a second. I want to see that Brazo kid one more time. And so he's obviously been in their radar. He's had a good season in Providence playing on lines with, Georgie Merkulov, Fabian Lysel, so he's up in the lineup. And he comes up and he gets five shots on goal in his NHL debut in, in a little over 11 minutes uh, on an effective fourth line with Anthony Richard and Jesper Bokvist, um, who I, I don't think the three of them were ever, like, all together as a line in Providence, but they have all played with each other at various points, so there is some chemistry there. Um, but you saw what, he, what he's going to do best. He gets to the front of the net. That's where he scores his goal. He's obviously hard to move. He's 6'5". He's, he's listed at 245. I think he's actually lost some weight since um, since that registered. But either way, a big body and not someone that's going to be easy to move. On his goal, he got position on Ryan Suter, um, you know, who while we're talking about career games, he's over 1,400. So, you know, that's not, that's not some rookie you're pushing around. That's, you know uh, – a veteran who's, who's been around. So um, yeah, it was, it was an impressive debut for Brazil. Yeah. I mean, yeah this one, this, this subject, we have probably so much more to say, but we'll save it for after Brian's opening shift. Cause there's a lot there. There is a lot there. And yeah, I mean, it was definitely an, an instant upgrade. I feel like in, in a lot of ways on that fourth line. So for me, I, I just kind of want to get a pulse check on from, from you two and, 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 and listeners. Um, on where this Bruins team is right now, because if you look at the standings, they are second in the national hockey league, three points behind Vancouver. They're first in the Eastern conference. They're first in the Atlantic, you know, they're leapfrogging with, with Florida uh, as of late. But so I understand clearly in the standings, the Bruins, they're, they're high in the sky and, and, and all is well. Got it. But I want to ask what matters most to you guys and to Bruins fans, because uh, you know, basically there were stretches over this last seven game homestand, a homestand where they went two, three, and two. And they had some losses where I would hear afterwards they played really well, everything but the result, they deserved better. And I just want to know if those same people now, uh, after yesterday's win against Dallas, will say, you know what? 
They didn't really deserve the game. They got the two points, great, but they didn't play well. So I want to know what matters most to people. Does does collecting points matter most, or does does playing well matter most? Because this team, points wise, will be in the playoffs. So I don't care if they finish first in the conference or if they finish in a wild card spot. I, I now obviously if they finish wild card, it means that their their play might be slipping in the points. But I want them playing the right way come playoff time. And that that win against Dallas, I mean, you get out shot forty six to thirty um, overtime and. In the shootout, you constantly gave Dallas chances to win that game. The Bruins were lucky to get the win. So I just want to see if the same people who are applauding them for strong efforts and defeat, which I agree with, and then if they're going to be consistent and say, you know what, that was not good enough yesterday despite the two points. And and what matters most to you guys with this team down the stretch? It's playing well, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as as Jim Montgomery said after the game, results are funny sometimes. Like, I – so he highlighted the previous three games. To me, there were two games on this homestand that they lost that I thought they quote unquote deserved to win. And that would be Tampa Bay and Seattle. I thought they were the better team in both of those games. Again, deserved in quote marks because you don't deserve anything in hockey, but they probably deserve to win those games. The Kings game I felt a little differently about because while they were better for long stretches of that game, like, they, they also just made too many mistakes in the third period that you can't make when you're trying to close out a game. And, and even late in the second period when they were up three to one. So that one I feel differently about because it's like, okay, you did a lot of good things to get the lead, but some problems that have popped up throughout the season with not being able to close out games resurfaced again. So to me, you don't, you don't deserve to win if you can't close it out and you make too many mistakes. Um, and yeah, the Dallas game, Dallas was the better team, especially through the first 40 minutes. They borderline dominated much of the first two periods, and it was 2-2 going into the third. Um, one thing I would flip on this in terms of, you know, any like potential hypocrisy about results versus way you play, if we're going to rip them for the collapse against the Kings and not having what it takes to close out a game or not wanting it or whatever you think the issue is. Well, then you also have to give them credit for quote unquote, wanting it or having desperation to come back and tie up the stars and get it to overtime. Like that, you know, there was, there was desperation down the stretch and you end up with the tying goal in an extra attacker situation on a great pass by Charlie McAvoy and a great one-time finish by David Postenow. So if you're going to, you know, rip those guys for not doing enough to close out a game, you do also have to give them credit for coming back and coming back multiple times because they trailed Dallas multiple times and came back. Yeah, the the part where it was feeling like more of the same not being able to close out narrative was uh, when they gave up that that third goal and uh, in the third and it's like, okay, well, they're down by one late again. Uh, it, are they going to be able to find one here? And, and of course, it comes with... Uh, from from Pasternak and it was such a a great like it was such a like a deceptive play that McAvoy made where he was completely not looking in the direction of Pasternak just backing his defender off until that lane opened wide like wide open passing lane for the perfect one-timer from a place that Pasternak scores so often so um it it was also uh Swayman's the the most saves Swayman has ever made in a game that's how much they got outshot by though. Like, like you mentioned, Brian, like they, they 
allowed a lot of shots on goal to the point where it was like a, a record for Swayman who played really well. And we, it kind of brings us back around to that. Uh, sometimes their goaltending might have to bail them out. And he played so well and in the shootout too. And, and he's one of those weird people who says he loves the shootout. Uh, a lot of goalies don't, but he thinks it's great. Uh, so I, for, in terms of like, should we be, or are people going to be critical of them, even though they won, like, or should we be more critical of losses or like res, res, that looked good or results when they win, uh, but don't look good. I, I think people just find a way to, to kind of complain. And, and I mean, it's our job to analyze it as well. So we can talk about the good and the bad of, of everything and not really get too high or low, unless it's like really obviously a horrible trend in the wrong direction that is um, going to be concerning come playoff time. But there was one concern that actually is, you know, something that we need to bring up. And Scott, this was originally going to be your opening shift, but um, the Bruins win, but Hampus Lindholm gets injured and does not come back to the game. Yeah, he, he Lindholm went down early in the third period. Um, just kind of an awkward play in the corner where he got tangled up with the Stars player. I think he maybe like banged slash jammed his knee into the boards and then fell awkwardly, was slow getting up, slow getting off. He initially stayed on the bench, and then the next TV timeout, uh, he took a little twirl around, kind of shake things off. He was, you could see him flexing that left leg, you know, kind of massaging it a little. And then he gets back to the bench and goes right down the tunnel. And that was, that was it. There was Montgomery didn't have any update after the game. Um, he said there were no more Tuesday. I'm guessing there's probably some sort of valuation before the team gets on the plane out West. Um, obviously first, I guess, just to know, is he going on a trip? You know, is, is there a chance he plays sometime over these next four games? Obviously it'd be, you know, pretty concerning if he's not traveling that means he's out at least four games so uh there's no Bruins media availability on Tuesday so I guess we won't know anything until Wednesday um but yeah obviously you know if it's short term if it's minor all right you deal with it for a game or two or whatever it is and and figure it out if it's longer term then yes I would say that you know that would dramatically impact how Don Sweeney approaches the trade deadline Oh yeah. That's <laughs> you were talking about adding like maybe a bottom pair defenseman and and now you're going to like, okay, well now you have a, a hole in your, your top four. So uh, you, you got to almost look for a higher quality uh, defenseman in that, in that case, but obviously still early to, to tell. And uh, it was awkward. So I hate when it, it just kind of like the, the Potra injury, it's like, it doesn't look that bad. And even if you go back and watch it, like you can see all like, the actual collision isn't what does it. It's like the, like the very end of it where his knee gets like pushed on like a tiny bit in, in, in a weird direction. And, and then he goes down and, and you, you can tell, like, obviously you put him right off, right off balance. And it's, it wasn't a strong enough hit to knock you over. So that's how, you know, something like ha happened in, in his leg um, to cause him to fall. And, the fact that he, I don't think he took another shift after that. So um, he just, like Scott said, got on there and just like tried it out and then went down the tunnel. So we'll see about that. But that obviously 
changes our conversation about the trade deadline and about what the needs are. Cause as of yesterday, I think Brian, no, it wasn't you that texted me this. It was our, our coworker, Nick, who said like this Shattenkirk Forbert pair is just killing me. Uh, so like, we're already talking about how some of the defensemen are not, uh, they're not performing super well right now. I know Scott's been on Forbert for a while. Uh, Ray Croft on Sunday skate razor completely disagreed with you about this. He likes Forbert. Uh, and obviously Forbert's not really tradable at the trade deadline, but um, Scott and maybe over the course of the rest of the season, you and Razor are going to butt heads on this, the Forbert topic. Well, it, and what, like I said, like my, my issue with Forbert right now, even beyond his play is how dumb he made me look on Twitter Saturday, because I actually tweeted out a defense of like why he's still playing you know, highlighting some fancy stats stuff about how few high danger chances he gives up when they give up when he's on the ice, uh, how teams don't get chances at the net front. And he played like maybe his worst game of the season set. Like, I think that was like the first period when I tweeted that out. And like the next 45 you... minutes of that game were just <laughs> brutal for him. So did you delete like, well, it? Were you like, JK? No, it's, it's still up there. Still, still get, still getting roasted in the quote tweets. So. <laughs> that's what happens when you go out on a limb when your original opinion was that you you were concerned with his play as of late and then you tried to convince yourself that you were you know you you were trying to uh be unbiased and see if you could prove yourself wrong but let that be a lesson kid kids never never be nice to people never give anyone the benefit of the doubt never um (laughs) except for that as a goaltender apparently uh you'd rather have forbert out there than than a lot of other guys because Razor said that's the kind of guy that you need in front of your goalie in the playoffs, and that's who he would want. So, um, Brian, your thoughts on that pair, like Wotherspoon not being in, and what they should do if if they're missing Lindholm? Well, I mean, if they're missing Lindholm, you still have a number one defenseman, and most teams, if they were to lose a Lindholm type, they would have no more number one defenseman. So I think – I still don't think the Bruins have, I think you bring up Lori, obviously. I think, I think that's kind of a, uh, you know, a natural decision. I think he should be up there regardless. Um, but the Bruins don't have the, they don't have the capital to make anything crazy happen. They're ham, they're hamstrung. So it is what it is. And and I feel this way about this team, whether or not they have Lindholm in the lineup or not. Like, I just think if if this team, if this team is as good as everybody says that they are, then they shouldn't need to add much, really. And and we saw what happened. Like they should they should be good enough to to roll with what they have, right? If if everybody thinks that they're truly one of the best teams in the league, which I don't necessarily dispute. I'm just saying, like it, it, you can't on the one hand be like, oh well, they're you know they're they're one of the top teams in the league and they've and 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 they've been showing it all year. And then I understand like Lindholm goes down as a big piece. I understand that, but I think you just replace it internally with Lori because you don't have the capital to do it. You have to trust this team. It's it's why, even if it's why, like, you know, the Bruins wouldn't be in on on the Lindholm stuff. Like, I I don't think, I don't think um, Elias Lindholm that is like at center. It's like Coyle and Zaka. Their numbers are good. Like th- their numbers are better than Elias Lindholm's this year. Like it's to to I think this year for the most part, it's you have to kind of just trust the players that are there and see what they can do kind of the opposite approach of last year. If you want to find a complimentary player, that's fine. But 
as far as as far as Forbert goes, I think Razor's right. I think that I think that people are very quick to 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 shit on him. And I I understand why I'm watching the games that they're watching. I see that his foot speed's not there. I see that he's missing assignments and that he's having some boneheaded plays. But when Razor says you need that guy in the playoffs, you do. And and, and Forber is the only guy that they have that's like that, that's gonna sit there and eat shots left and right and 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 do the things that nobody really wants to do in the playoffs. Do you want Charlie McAvoy blocking those shots that Forbert blocks all the time? No. Uh, as far as Watherspoon goes, he still has some stripes to earn a little bit. Um, I just don't know what people want. Like, wh- like, what are you gonna do? What What can you do with Forbert? Like, for, you need a guy like that. I agree, he's not playing great, but you need a guy like that in your third pair. Who's replacing him? Like, the funny. What are you gonna do with him? Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, uh, th- this is probably more of a, a hot take than, than anything else that Razor said, but he was like, if you wanted to trade Forbert at the trade deadline, he'd probably get you more than most at most anyone else, like that you'd be willing to trade. I heard that. And I don't necessarily disagree. Like, again, if you're a contender, I mean, who, who do you think, who do you think a Stanley cup team values more? Like, like, okay. So who's the alternative, right? Like Mac Rizlik, right? Like, does like the Colorado Avalanche, for example, I don't know every team's different because some teams have things that other teams don't, but like when Colorado has Kale McCarr and Devon Taves and, you know, Sam Gerrard and, and uh, Bo Byram, if those guys are all healthy, like what do you need Grizzly for? You don't, you want somebody like a, a forward if you're going to add something like, I'm just like championship teams very much value like that. That's that big body who can block shots. Simply put, now if you're if you're a contender that's lacking transition game, yeah, then maybe Grizzlick, but I think most contenders probably have a good some good transition defensemen. Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll I'll stand by the same thing I said on Sunday skate too, which is that if someone wants to give me a first round pick for Derek Forbert, I'm taking it and throwing a parade for Don Sweeney. If you can even get like a second, that would be incredible. I yeah, I've been of the opinion that anything that involves a moving forward, I almost think like you have to throw in an asset as some sort of cap dump. But if they could get like a real asset for that and then turn that around as ammunition to go get, you know, a, a more well-rounded upgrade, like I would be all for that. I just don't think it's realistic. And, um, you know, I, and I think Brian, to your point about like forward has some value when he's on his game, that's why they're continuing to play him because he's still working back from, from his injury issues. And at the very least, they owe it to themselves to see what they have before the trade deadline to know, like, okay, either he's tracking the right way and he's still playable or boy, we just don't think he's going to get it back this season. We actually do have to do something there. Like you can only figure that out by playing him. So saying, oh, he had a bad game Saturday. Let's bench him for the next week. Okay, well, now you've lost one of, you know, two and a half weeks leading up to the trade deadline. Like, you can't do that. So, um, you know, and if he's still here after the deadline, then you owe it to yourself to try to get him right for the playoffs so he does have value for for you so that he is a useful player come the postseason. So, yeah, there's going to be there's going to be hiccups and there's going to be some ugly games. And, and we've seen a few of those recently. but. Um, but I also get why they're playing him, even though, you know, it's tempting to sit there and say, 
Weatherspoon's maybe had some better games recently. Why not just play Weatherspoon every game over him? And it's like because there's there's a bigger picture in mind that this team has to be looking at. I don't look. I'm not saying Forbert has to be in every single day defenseman for them. He could be their seventh defenseman. I'm just saying, like when you go to the playoffs, like I'd rather have. If you want to go out there and get a Jacob Middleton and and your third D pair is Middleton and Shattenkirk or Middleton and Watherspoon or Forbert, and it's like a rotation of those guys, that's fine. Like I, it's fine. Um, I it's just it's interesting to me. Like people are like, ah, Forbert sucks. Get him out of here, but. Then they want the Bruins to bring in Jacob Middleton at the deadline. It's like, I, I, I think Middleton's objectively better than Forbert. I'm just saying, like, it's the same type of player. Like, you're getting rid of one type of player to bring in another. Potentially, it's like, I, I just, yeah, you, you trust me. If, if the Bruins go far this year, I'm sure there'll be a time where Forbert blocks a shot that would have been an automatic goal, and people are going to be like, oh, thank God we had that guy. Um, and, and I also don't think, like, look, you, in the same breath, and this might sound hypocritical, but your your third your third, you know, your third D pair defenseman on the left side is not make or breaking your Stanley Cup hopes this year. I hate to break it to anybody. Like Derek Forbert's not gonna be the reason the Bruins don't go as far this year as they might. It's just not. True, but you do you at least need your third parent to keep their head above water because I, I, I think one of their biggest issues against Florida last year was that Forbert Clifton third parent got absolutely wrecked in that series. Like they were they were poor. It's not the only reason the Bruins lost. Obviously, there's lots of them, but that was one of them. Yeah, Clifton, Clifton, uh, giving a tape to tape pass, you know, uh, in the neutral zone transition to whoever the hell it was on Florida. Like the, literally, he could have gone to any one of his teammates, and he goes right up the middle. Like I'm not going to blame Forward on that. I, I think I think Clifton was very um, all over the map. He was he was like you know Forbert's not going to Forbert might. He's gonna get burned wide here and there, right? He he might get out. Somebody might be a little bit finesse around him because he's whatever, but he's not gonna try to do too much. Clifton was doing way too much, and 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 I just think that uh, I don't want to absolve Forber. I, it's it's been a long time since last spring. I don't remember every single game specifically, but I remember watching Clifton and being like, he's all he's all all over the place right now. They're just making boneheaded passes. But eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, um, I, I just don't. To me, like, I, there's there's so many more areas where I think the Bruins need to like, like I want the Bruins third deep here to be bigger and tougher to play against. And Forbert's like that kind of guy. I'm to me like I think they could add another one, another player that can help him. Like, like I think a Middleton and I, again, I, I'd have to check their hand in this. Are they both lefties or is Middleton a righty? Yeah. They're yeah, both lefties. lefties. All right, so that's kind of. Well, I have to play the off side, but just in general, like I, I don't want that third D pair to be small. Like I don't want Grizzly on that third D pair, and and I'm bringing up Grizzly because it's kind of like him or Forbert, right? Um, people talk about, but like I think like f- for me, like the Bruins have to address like their their bottom six chemistry. Um, I don't know. I the last one of the last things on my mind is like that third D pair guy, like over Forbert. Like I think there's other places they have to address. Um, so. And maybe that's internal, like third line. Like again, like I, I like Brazo a lot yesterday. I think he could be he could be a homestay on the uh, on the fourth line. But like, I don't know. I don't want to take up too much time. But I, I just I just think I, I'm not. I don't want to harp on Derek Forbert. Like I think there's other areas that they need to improve upon. I don't think I've talked to him like eight minutes. Um, uh, that was, <laughs> was minutes ago. So I know. Um, well, I think that is a good like transition though, because uh, we wanted to talk about the fourth line and, and it goes back to a conversation that we had about what, what should they tr- be trying out before the trade deadline to see what they have for internal options. And we put the poll out and to people's credit, some people wrote in Brazo as an option and explained, okay, this is, he's a bigger body. He can do kind of some of the things the Bruins look like they need. He can be physical. Um, and then we, we saw Richard speed. So we, we see these two call-ups and it wasn't any of the guys that we list. It wasn't Beecher. It wasn't Lysel. It wasn't Merkulov. Um, the answer was other, <laughs> I guess. So Brazo comes up, uh, Steen gets waived and cleared. He cleared waivers. Um, so now he's back with Providence and Lauko gets sat. So what it does is really it, it sparked that fourth line. I think it gave it, it energy. Like all of a sudden it was, it felt fresh again. It didn't feel stagnant because you, you throw two guys on that line plus Boquist who are all fighting to be in the NHL. And it just feels a little bit different. Like you, you immediately saw them go to work and get things done. Boquist scored the first goal. He's looking more confident. Um, and like Scott mentioned, they have played individually together at different times. Um, so it, it's not there. They're a hundred percent unfamiliar with each other. And so far so good, really with, with those moves. I don't think the lineup missed Lauko too much. Uh, and Steen, basically what coach said about Steen uh, when we talked to him before the game uh, with Dallas was, Basically, he did everything he could do, which is kind of like to say, like, he did exactly the amount that, like, he did his best, but it probably isn't enough to to keep him around. It's not really, you know, 
it, it kind of it was like a backhanded compliment kind of like it felt like a compliment but then when you think about it it was like okay no he his best wasn't good enough to keep on on the roster yeah i mean he had he had one point in 34 games like it's you can only roll with that for so long before you have to make a change so um by the way bruins might need another body because we don't know if they're completely healthy up front as they hit the road um Lauko was dealing with an upper body injury. Uh, Montgomery didn't specifically say if he could have played Monday or not. Um, he was initially listed as questionable. And then Anthony Richard also took a slap shot off the foot that looked very painful. And he was, he was a little bit in and out the rest of the game. He did take shifts after that, but I don't know if it was quite regular playing time. Yeah. He um, went down the tunnel Early, yeah, early third period and came back with like two minutes left. It, but then he took an uh, an overtime shift. That was an interesting uh, turn of events. It was like him and Boquist out there together or something like that. And I yeah, know. so we'll you know we'll have to see if they they announce another call up either Tuesday or Wednesday, um, or you know what exactly the status of those guys are. But. Um, yeah, I mean, the fourth line as a whole, though, like, obviously they had to try something, and now you're you're at this combination of Richard, Bogvist, Brazo, where you've got the speed with two of the guys and Bogvist and Richard, and you saw that play a factor Monday on, on the Bruins' first goal where that, that's all speed. McAvoy starts the transition, Richard down the wing, and then Bogvist just flying up the middle gets behind the defense and makes makes a really nice play to settle the pass and then take it to his forehand for the finish. Uh, and then Brazo is as the big body, um, you know, and you saw him getting to the net front. You saw what he can do there. So, you know, I obviously continue with that until it stops working, assuming, you know, assuming Richard's able to, to continue to play, but um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know if like that's going to stick as the fourth line the rest of the season, or if you trust that as your fourth line, in the playoffs, there's, there's a reason that all three of those guys were in Providence much of the season. There's a reason none of them made your team, you know, out of training camp, but it looked good on Monday. And I thought Richard and Bogus played pre- pretty well on Saturday too. Richard got his first goal as a Bruin in that game. So try it until they give you a reason to, not to use it. Try it until they, you know, give you a reason to change it. You know, yeah, what I they, would they all for, have a goal in the last two games. I I liked uh, I liked Richard. Um, I do. I like his game. But you know what I wouldn't mind seeing, honestly, as a, as a bottom six combination at some point. And I'm not even talking in the playoffs. I'm just saying at some point to see what it would look like. I would like to see a third line of high of um. Frederick, Geeky, and Lysel, maybe, and a fourth line of Beecher, Centering, Brazo, and Heinen. I mean, I th- I think there's size on that fourth line, and you have NHL savvy and veteran leadership in Heinen and steadiness. And then that third line, you have size with a little bit of flash. I just think, like, again, the, 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 while on this podcast we under we all agree that like yes the regular season matters to to collect points to make the playoffs but it's about how you're playing when you get to the playoffs 
because the the, the one benefit, the, the major benefit to the Bruins being so high in the standings is they do have, maybe not against Florida cushion, but they have playoff cushion. I think they should use this time to to, to try and see what other combinations they have because they're not going to fall out of the playoffs. So what do you guys think about a combination of that in the bottom six, potentially? Yeah, I, I I would like to see, I would still like to see Lysel get a chance at some point. And if he keeps playing the way he's been playing in Providence, at some point it becomes a situation where it's almost like you you have to give him a look just because he's he's earned it and you want to reward guys just like they have rewarded Brazo and Richard recently. It's like part of that is yes, you have to change things up and try something else in your bottom six. Part of it is those guys earned it and, and you want to reward them. Um, but I would say the same thing remains true. Like there's still, you know, there's still jobs up for grabs in, in that bottom six, like not, nothing's settled yet. You know, like I just said, like roll with this fourth line until, until they have a bad game or two, but I don't expect this combination to just like stay together now to the finish line. So I think there's going to be opportunities to give some other guys a chance. So Lysel to me would be next on that list. Um, you know, we'll see if the Bruins agree. Obviously, he brings something different, right? He's, he's more skilled, so he's not going to be in on the fourth line. You're you're moving him up, like you said, probably on the third line to start. Um, but yeah, I I would like to see that. Um, and with Brazo too. You know, the question with him for a long time has been: Is his skating NHL level and? I think there's going to be times where we see that come up as an issue and it'll just be a matter of whether the other good stuff outweighs it, you know, NHL debut first game goal. It's very easy to focus on the positives and, and kind of be, you know, like, well, diamond in the rough, you know, look, look what the Bruins just found. And it's like, all right, let's give it a few games that there's going to be stuff that comes up where you're going to be like, Oh, that's why maybe he didn't get a chance before this. So um, we'll see, but obviously an encouraging start for Brissett. Yeah. And, and I was going to say coach said, and I'm trying to look up how many pounds he says he lost, but he said he like his skating is it's getting better and better as he's put the work in because he's worked his ass off to, to get down to a certain weight. Um, and I'm trying to, f- I can't find it right now, but um yeah, it was I'll, his significant also, amount. Br- yeah. Also, Brazo's not much of a fighter, which I know some people, you know, on social media, like, looked up and kind of shared yesterday. Um, but people should also be aware of that, because I think people see six foot five fourth liner and think, like, oh, super tough guy. He's going to, you know, pound the snot out of, out of everyone. He he hasn't been much of a fighter, so don't don't expect that. No, but what I what I thought when I when I saw his size is I saw puck protection down low and I, and I saw, I saw winning board battles in the corners and in front of the net. Those are the things that win you playoff series. And, you know, when I bring up that potential fourth line of Beecher, Brazo and Heinen, I see again, would have to see it right to believe it and, and see if it me, if, if it could be a, a, a strong combination, but I see size, speed, physicality and faced off production out of Beecher when he's on his game. So if that lines out there and, and you're you're winning a lot of faceoffs and you're you're starting off your shifts with possession, 
that's a strong suit. I see, obviously, the size and and, and puck protection and, and ability to to be physical with Brazo. And then I see Danton Heinen, who again just Mr. Professional, like you know, just like steady Eddie down there in the fourth line, and and just would really calm things down. I could see that fourth line causing problems for teams in a playoff series. I think admittedly have to see more from Brazo to anoint him to this spot. Again, to your point, Scott, one game is not enough, but all you could do so far is the one game, right? And he showed, believe it or not, here's the here's the reality. Brazo showed more, more in one game than Loco and Steen showed in a combined 60 you know, games this year, 70 games this year. So that's the reality of the situation. One game scoring is more than, you know, Steen's done all year. Um, and he almost scored twice. Yeah. And, and and Richard too. Richard has produced in the last couple of games too. I know we mentioned him too. And I don't mean to discard him and just toss him as a 13th forward. I I I want Richard around maybe too until he and so Scott, to your point about like letting that fourth line play until they have a bad game. I, I understand that. Um, but I I, I don't know. I, I that fourth line combination I mentioned to me, I want to see that with a, a live cell call up just to see if he can do anything in the third line. Um, but I, but you know, f- playoff series are all about depth, and I just think I think the Bruins would be very wise if the Bruins' top lines are going to be relied on David Pat. So the Bruins rely on David Pashnak and Brad Martian on their respective lines. A lot of these top contending teams have a couple of elite players on each of their top two lines, whereas the Bruins have one elite player per their top two lines. The point I'm trying to illustrate here is. I don't know if when it comes to the playoffs, I'm not so sure the Bruins' top two lines are going to overpower other playoff teams' top two lines because where they might not have a David Pasternak, they might have an Austin Matthews and a Mitch Marner, and like like they might have a little bit more firepower in the front lines. So I think the Bruins would be really wise to make sure that their bottom two lines are where they can win playoff series, and I think that tinkering with some of these combinations will help you see what the best options could be. Well, if that's their strategy, they're, they're still, in my opinion, the bottom six is not going to currently, as currently constituted. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot. Like, we haven't seen enough to think that they could win a playoff series for, for Boston. And yeah. and that's not to, to, like, take anything away from Trent Frederick or Morgan Geeky, but they are probably the, the two bright spots in the bottom six. And then, but it's about finding the rest of it, like finding the fourth yeah. line of, of guys that can play together be offensive, but also, like you said, Brian, uh, be good possession guys and, and, and not be liabilities. And that was like the, I think that was the very first thing Montgomery said when, when asked about like, what does Brazo bring? And he said, puck possession and, and mm. being heavy down low were the two first things that he said. Um, and those are very important. And that is exactly what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. Like, is there mm-hmm. someone in Providence that can do that stuff better than Lauco and and Steen and you know we saw that he in a one game sample size which is small um that the answer was yes um and it looks promising for the future so in terms of like picking the right call up as of right now it looks like this is actually like has a decent hope of being a solution for them in in the bottom six and then maybe we're not talking about adding Pat Maroon or maybe we are because maybe it's still like all right he's going to come cheap and we still need a veteran like you could add that too but at least it 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 does short term give you an opportunity to look at options 
before you you are deciding about trade deadline stuff. Um, and I don't know. I'm optimistic about it, really. Um, when I when I think about how that line looked yesterday, it actually like the entertainment value was higher. Um, and obviously the the drive for those guys is different than like people who have been in the lineup for a while because it's it's brand new. It's I ha- have a chance to prove myself and uh, he did. So um, I, if he takes that mentality for the next few games or however long he gets a look, he's going to be successful, I think. And, and hopefully that that maybe could be contagious to that line um, and, and bring them more success. Yeah. And I want to make sure, like, let's not at all downplay having Frederick geeky and I'll throw Heinen in there too, in your bottom six, because I I know I did this a little bit the last podcast, but like, I don't, there's probably not really any team that feels great about their bottom six there. Everyone is lacking depth because the salary cap has barely gone up in four years. Teams have not been able to keep guys. So everyone is either young players who maybe aren't quite NHL ready or veterans bouncing around on cheap deals. And the Bruins have found the veterans who have actually produced with, you know, Van Riemsdyk and Heinen. Um, You know, I think, I think there's a lot of even contenders who would be thrilled to have a Trent Frederick on their third line. Um, You know, the, like the team you faced yesterday, Dallas, they might be one team that might be that probably is a little deeper than you up front, but they haven't had the high end production. Like Jason Robertson is who you'd look at as like, oh, that's their high end forward. Well, he's having a little bit of a down year, so he's he's not Pasternak right now. Um, you know, Vancouver would probably be another that feels really good about their third line. Um, but there, there's not a lot of those teams, though. Like I don't, I don't think Tampa's one of them. I don't think Florida is. I don't think Toronto is. Colorado is definitely looking to upgrade their middle six. Like everyone's kind of dealing with a lot of the same problems. Well, if you think about it, like, and that's why I qualified it in the beginning of what I started to say that Frederick and Geeky are are definitely not people that you're concerned about in in those roles because those Frederick has outperformed his previous seasons geeky has been solid. Um, those two can, can score. Um, they're smart players. Um, and, and even, uh, like Van Reeves, has been in the bottom six at times. And that's somebody that you would say, okay, if that's our bottom six, like we're, we're looking pretty good. It's just been about when we say bottom six, honestly, more, more often than not, we're talking about the fourth line. So like, we don't even need to necessarily drag, those guys into it when obviously they're it's, it's important to talk about them as well, but the real issues they were having was uh, that fourth line wasn't really doing much of anything. So um, every time, every time they roll out Steen and Loco, it's a waste of a game. And, and, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. It's like, they're not it. Like they're not it. Oscar Steen is not it. And, and, you know, obviously the Bruins wave him and, and they said in the Providence, in my opinion, it's like, I don't know why it took him so long. And, and, but to, to, to your point, Scott, like, yeah, other contenders, like, they would probably want a better bottom six. And that's why I think, like, it's that's where the Bruins could really gain an advantage over some of these teams. And and maybe it's that the players in Providence that they call up, maybe they're not – maybe it turns out they're just not good enough. Maybe the Bruins system between Pro- Boston and Providence, maybe they don't have enough to, to win the Stanley Cup uh, 
by having a great bottom six. But you got to find out because you know it's not Steen and you know it's not Loco. And I just I'm re- I was really encouraged by the by the Brazo signing. Um, and I just feel like I just feel there's a ton of I am optimistic too, Bridget. Like I, I think that there is there's a ceiling I think for this for this Bruins team that is that's untapped right now because the Bruins for whatever reason they're unwilling to to give you know a, a, a Merkulov or a Lysel an extended third line look like put like I said put Heinen down on the fourth line like that's and 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 Brazo and Beecher like that's a that's a big body fourth line with some NHL experience in Heinen and see if you can get get something out of a Lysel or a Merkulov on a third line with Geeky and Frederick and, and 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 find that out now because if you don't think it's if you try those lines out or something like that and you don't find that they're good enough Bridget to your point okay fine maybe we're just not good enough but let's see if there's something else out there on the ex- on, on the uh externally and every game they just kept rolling out Steen and Lauko Steen and Lauko it's like guys for Christ's sakes can we like this is not it they're not helping the team right now and it's not helping you find out what you need to address because you you are not giving internal options opportunities either. So I'm glad to see Brazo get an opportunity. Hopefully that uh, there's more there's more looks to come because again when you're when you have this lead in the standings, I again not over Florida, but when you have this playoff cushion that they have, the Bruins are making the playoffs. They're not not making the playoffs. And to me, again, we learned last year, uh, it doesn't matter if you go in as the first seed or the eighth seed, go in playing the right way. And for me, for my money. The Bruins' priority for the rest of the season shouldn't be let's finish as high in the standings as possible. It should be let's find the best grouping of players as possible and, and to, to play the best way that we can. Hopefully that leads to success in the meantime, right? But that's that's what I want to see. I want to see the best Bruins roster they can put out there. And it starts with giving guys looks in the bottom six. It just does. Your top six is your top six. Coyle, Zaka, those are your guys. Marshan Bergeron, Ben Reamsdyke, DeBras. That's your top six. Did you just say Bergeron? What, what did I say? You said I, Bergeron. I, oh, boy. Wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to stop you there because uh, do you know um, something I don't know? Like, 20, did he sign Insider here. Insider. <laughs> no, 20 years of saying it. No. <laughs> I, I, I almost just said it again. Coyle, Zaka, Marshan, Pashnak, JVR, DeBrusque. Right now. <laughs> That's your top six. Maybe you add somebody at the deadline. Maybe you don't. But their focus right now, in my opinion, should be tinkering with some of these fourth, third and fourth line combinations. And I think – I really think I'm onto something by putting Heinen on the fourth line. He can play anywhere, sure. But I just think that Heinen on the fourth line opens up a spot in that third line and see if a young kid can run with it. I mean, who's the kid in, in Dallas, Scott? Wyatt Johnson? I mean – not to harp on it, and yep. it's on apples, apples, but you know, selected two picks after Fabian Lysel. He's been in the league for you know two years now. He's he's one of Dallas's better scorers, and it's like here we are scratching and clawing to see if we can get Fabian Lysel one NHL game for Christ's sake. And he's playing well. So I don't know. That's if if I'll shut up if I see them do that, like one way or the other. I just that that's that's the one thing I want to see because regular season NHL hockey, as we know, there's ups and there's downs. The Bruins getting, you know, two points here and there is not as important to me as finding out the best combination of players that they have. And I guess I'll leave it at that for now. Sorry, I got a little distracted because uh, 
as we're recording, Matthew Slater just announced his retirement. So oh. had to had to go into like WEI breaking breaking news mode and get get some alerts that's, out. That's what can he, Scott can he does. Pull line? Yeah, there you go. Hey, he um, he was gunner, you know, straight line hockey. There you go. <laughs> Up and down, get in on the forecheck. Yeah, exactly. Great, um, great on special teams, I hear. Yeah, indeed. I uh, I did find it appropriate yesterday though that um, Marshan, I know it was mentioned off the top. We'll circle back to it. So heading into yesterday's game against Dallas, they were one, three, and two on the homestand at the time, which you know you would think they would come out and not get outshot virtually two to one. But either way, um, they do tie it late, Scott. That's great resolve. That I I believe that was their first. Uh, extra attacker goal of the season, the last NHL team to accomplish that this year. So they tie the game. Um, granted, I, I thought Dallas was a better team in overtime. I also thought that, you know, the Bruins gave Dallas maybe six or seven chances to win the shootout um, going around nine. So Jeremy Swayman was obviously huge and Brad Marchand's shootout goal to tie it was also huge. So uh, on his, in his 1000th game, you know, I, I do think Dallas quote unquote deserves to win. But as you said, Scott, that means nothing. Maybe the Bruins didn't deserve to win, but they did win. And it gets them feeling good heading into this stretch of games on the road out West against some really good teams. So momentum is a real thing. And it was very, that, that was a very important reason as to um, getting those two points. The Bruins can feel good about themselves and they can get away from home now. So that it, that win yesterday, while they may not have been the better team, it is really important. I don't mean to downplay that. For those reasons, it's important. Brad Marshan is a big reason that they got those two points by scoring in the shootout on Ottinger and, uh, you know, in his thousandth game, just leading as he always does. And I think Swayman was a big factor as well. I think – I would think – I would say, like, McAvoy, Marshawn, Swayman were, were – all pretty big and and those are players that you need to lead you in those situations and they were so um and and pasta not like obviously game time goal um doing what he does best so that's all encouraging um even though there was stretches where it was like okay this looks like it's going to be the same old thing they were able to to not let it be um and they're able to win the, the last game of the road trip maybe take a little bit of the criticism and pressure off that of the conversations that would have been had if they'd lost in regulation, they weren't, weren't able to find that game time goal in the third. Um, and it just, now they can hit the road and, and reset and, and not have like the worst possible taste in their mouth. Like they're leaving on a, on a high note um, for like the emotional reasons of the Marshawn stuff and also the win uh, and chance to build off of it and, and use what they learned in the road trip to, to get better and, and make progress and use the adversity to help them. Like we've mentioned a bunch of times, because that's the, that's like the main difference between last year and this year is, you know, they, they have a chance to make those adjustments and, and bounce back from stuff. Whereas they're sometimes they're last year, they were just so good that you, their flaws didn't get they got exposed but it still didn't result in losses so um yeah I don't know I thought it was encouraging for Swayman because he not that he played bad recently but he was before the break he was playing better after the break he was giving up a few that maybe he wouldn't normally give up and then um against Dallas he he was really important and, and made some key saves 
Yeah. In in the shootout, like gets beat by Robertson in the first round. Then eight straight rounds he makes makes a save. Right? You know, one of them was a poke check, but and um, I don't know how many people are stopping that Robertson shot. Yeah, it's not it's not like guys were missing the net or losing the puck. Like those had had to be legitimate saves. Um yeah, and you know, as far as looking back at like the the homestand overall and just kind of where this team stands as they now hit the road, it like it, it is also worth noting that yeah, they're the two absolute stinkers against Calgary and Washington. Every other game on this homestand, they played at least reasonably well and were in it against pretty good teams. You know, Seattle's out of the playoff picture, but whatever, like you ran into a hot goalie, but like Vancouver, they blew out. Now, obviously that was an off night for Vancouver, but you still have to take advantage of it. Tampa had been streaking, has been up one of the hotter teams in the league. Probably should have beaten them. You lose in overtime. Dallas has been one of the hottest teams in the league. You get outplayed by them, but hang around and find a way to win in a shootout. So it's not as much like you can look at the overall record in the home state and be like, boy, that's not good. And it's not. But it's not like they were getting blown out by like some of the top teams in the league where it's like, oh my God, look, look at how big the gap is between them and other good teams. No, like if anything, you should come away thinking like, all right, they're right there. They're not clearly ahead of these other teams. They're also not clearly behind them. Like, this is probably how it's going to go. By the way, they're facing more good teams on this road trip, especially Edmonton and Vancouver. I would expect those to be competitive, close games, and probably one mistake here or there or one bounce, like, could decide it. So that that's how it's going to be for this team. That's what we expected it to be for this team. We didn't think they were going to be like last year where they're just going to roll over everyone and it's clear that they're – you know, head and shoulders better than every other team. Like they're not, they're, they're going to have to grind. They're going to have to battle. These are going to be close games. They get into the playoffs. They're going to be close. Like I, I know, you know, I was dumb enough to pick them to sweep Florida last year. I'm not going to be picking them to, I'm not going to be picking them to beat anyone in four or five games this year. Like it's going to be a grind. They're going to have to be longer series. Scott, Shout I wouldn't be reminding people. Shout out to me and Bridget for seeing, uh, for seeing what was, what was, ended up becoming reality before it happened. I mean, that Florida team was playing playoff hockey since January. It just didn't love, I didn't love that idea of, of a, of a, I just, yeah, not to rehash, but so, I mean, so, but so Scott, like to that point, right? Like the Bruins have 77 points. They're second in the NHL, first in the Eastern conference, you know, playing these other best teams as measure. It should be it should even be a question if these teams are in the same league as each other. Like the Bruins are the second best team in the league, so you know to have a homestand where it's like we're we're, we're I'm not saying we're doing this. I'm just saying like in general, like to applaud them over homestand for like keeping up with some top teams. Well, they're supposed to be a top team in the league, right? So I think I think that kind of is like there's like an underlying message there of like this Bruins team is, um, uh, they're they're uh what's what's the word i'm looking for they're 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 playing better than expected or they're they're over overachieving maybe they're overachieving where they are in the standings right now i think that's fair to say um and 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 i think that's why it's an it could be annoying when when bruins fans bruins fans are interesting they either have nothing but negative things to say or nothing but positive things to say there's really no in between but when people like say like 
oh well you know they're 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 second in, in the nhl they're first in the conference what what do you want from them uh, not nothing like that's great like <laughs> that's really i'm really happy for them and they're doing it you know moneyball style um but you have to you have to read between the lines and see like this team they they they, they have they have if they want to win the stanley cup which is what people want when you're high in the standings you do have to try to you know see the forest of the trees a bit and and like identify yeah like they're they're overachieving a little bit on goaltending and and just you know a couple of you know really really elite players but there are things to improve upon and you know um so it, it's not like that it, it's not that we're complaining about them or 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 anything like that it's just that you know we talk about them three times a week and um if it, i wish it were as easy to say look where they are in the standings that's what's expected of them, but it's just not. And I think Scott, you kind of mentioning the home. That'd be stand. a pretty boring podcast, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be. But Scott, you mentioned the homestand and being like, it's not like they got like, yeah, they played well against Dallas and other good teams. Like, well, yeah, they should. They're in, they're second in the NHL. But I think that we just know that they're they're overachieving a little bit so far. Yeah, Brian's getting fine. fired up. Brian's getting fired up because it's lunchtime. And he's getting hangry. Is it lunchtime? It's ten. It's ten. <laughs> Where are you in England? I'm hungry. Okay, I want lunch. <laughs> Ten yeah, it's the time just for <laughs> listening. Yeah, it's uh, it's the okay, breakfast. Being... I already ate breakfast. I mo- mo- most people eat that before ten fourteen, Bridget. Mm, not me. <laughs> My breakfast is usually at about eleven thirty. <laughs> oh gosh. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 the difference between being one of the top teams and the top team. And right now they're they're one of the top teams with probably a good like seven to eight other teams around the league. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I would, I'd really wish they were playing Florida sometime soon, like sometime during mm. the stretch, like that, that's the real measuring stick. I want to see, like, I know that they're facing some of the top teams in the West, but you know, you're not going to see any of them until the cup final. If you get there, like Florida's the the one that is right there in your division, right with you in the standings. They're like they're the team like you almost know for sure is going to be standing in your way at some point, and you know, and like I know you, you can only learn so much from one regular season game, but I would just be interested to see like how they match up right now, just what it looks like, and that they don't play again until the end of March, unfortunately. So we're, we're not going to see it, but well, that's After a good time though. Deadline, yeah, yeah, it is. You get, and, you get, and then they, and then they play again like a week later, so it's like yeah, twice March and April. You get you get them twice right before the playoffs, and yeah, maybe that last one in April. Maybe is that the last game of the season? No, there's no, no, no. But maybe you're starting to see a little bit of load management by both of those teams at that point. Maybe not. It is there is still about six games left for both teams after that, so probably not. So the, you, you'll get your wish then, Scott. Hopefully those teams are, um, you know. Hopefully by then it's the teams that you're entering the playoffs with, and we'll find out. But I want to see that matchup too. And you're right, you're right, Scott. Like you know, I think the re- one of the reasons this, this Bruins team is second in the NHL, and it's it's to no fault of their own. I think the NHL this year is uh, it's kind of anybody's game. Like I can see any one of the 16 teams that make the playoffs this year going on a run. The, the parity is kind of uh, it's it's really strong this year. Not there's there's not one team that's like running away with it like Boston last year or you know teams in the past. It's like every team has their faults to your point, Scott. Even the best teams, and um, so I think it'll be fun a fun spring. It's it'll be a tough year, I think, for NHL uh, playoff brackets out there. 
Yeah, Vegas is going to take people's money again, as per usual. But um, but what I was going to say is they also play uh, Carolina twice in April. That's another team that could be you know on their path to the Stanley Cup, depending on how far they make it. And that's another team that it would be interesting to just see like the matchup of playoff readiness for for it'd be a good gauge for both of those teams to see like um you know a little bit of taste of that i think those are the right teams to be playing at the end of the season obviously the very last game is ottawa that's different but you're probably not playing people much in that game anyway you finish out with pittsburgh uh washington and ottawa so um but right before that it's like kind of a gauntlet of of teams that our playoff teams in your conference. So um, it'll be a good, that, that will be an interesting uh, stretch of the season for sure. Yeah. I, I feel like Carolina's going to be the team to beat in, in the Atlantic over the Rangers. Like it, it's really only been goaltending that's held them back. And, and I know that's a big one that they have to figure out, but I don't, I don't, you know, someone gets hot at the right time. Like, the, we're talking about depth. The Rangers just lost Blake Wheeler for the season. And on the surface, you think like, oh, that shouldn't be that huge of a loss. And yet, you know, 21 points in 54 games, like, right? Like that's not, that's nothing crazy. That was sixth among Rangers forwards in scoring. Like just to give you an idea again of another team that's just extremely top heavy. Like, you know, Blake Wheeler was basically a top six forward for that team. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've been high on Carolina. I, I actually like dating back to the preseason and Scott, I know you mentioned earlier on, like their goaltending wasn't, it was you know treacherous and um, their Achilles seal in your mind. But I, I just think that that, that group has been a while uh, together for a while. And I, I just love, I love their defense. And I just think that that team is really difficult to score on, really difficult to score on. And frustrating. Up front, they're, they're uh, frustrating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And up front, you know, no, no superstars, superstars, but just some really solid, um, you know, players up front for them. And I, I think that if, you know, speaking right now on February 20th, I, I could see them going to the Stanley Cup finals against, uh, you know, a couple of different teams out West. I like a few different teams, but <clears throat> I, I like Carolina uh, coming out of the East. I'd say yeah, Carolina, and- then Florida, then maybe Boston, you know? Yeah, Carolina's another team that does definitely have the offensive depth. I, I should have mentioned them earlier, but it, it's funny. My my preseason cup pick looked like laughably horrible for a couple of months, and now well, it's so bad. Uh, at Edmonton over Carolina. Oh, oh okay. yeah, I was laughing at you for the Edmonton thing back when they were sucking. So like, yes, Scott, totally. Edmonton's definitely gonna. <laughs> Did you have them to win? By the way. Yeah, I, I had Edmonton. Uh, no, actually, did I? I'll have to look back. I, I might have. No, I think I had Carolina winning, actually. Mm. You flipped on them pretty quick once the season started, Carolina. No, no, I didn't. I, I think I stayed pre- pretty high on the team overall. I just said the goaltending sucked, which it, it did. But yeah. um, I still have still have serious questions about that goaltending, but we'll, we'll see. Mm. Is it bad that I can't remember who I picked is it bad? Is I don't know who I picked either. I don't think it was Boston, though. It wasn't. It wasn't Boston. <laughs> it may. I may have been something similar to Scott. Honestly, I may have I changed it a little bit. I think I picked like Someone, Colorado. I, I think you did pick Colorado. I think Brian might have picked Dallas. Oh yeah. Yeah. You might have, yeah, you might have at least had Dallas. Dallas there. I think. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think I did. And I'm, I, you know, that's a team I, I am high on. I do like Dallas. And, and yeah, Robertson has been, Robertson was like a, over 100 points last year. And I think right now he's on pace for 82. It's like a point per game, maybe. So um, that's a big drop off. But Tyler Sagan's had a resurgence. Jimmy Ben's down a little bit. But yeah, I like Dallas's depth. Um, maybe we do get an, an 06 rematch with Edmonton and Carolina. Um, but I don't know. I guess that's Network, just, networks would love that. I mean, at least you have McDavid, but. Not not exactly the two best TV markets. Well, neither is Sunrise. So hopefully, I mean, I don't think any one of those options the NHL wants. But yeah, I think uh, I think they would really love if the Eastern Conference Cup team got out of the Southeast and get get one of those Northeast right? teams in there. That's so true. Wait, so so Florida and Tampa have been to five, the last five titles. Four. Four. Last four. Yeah, twenty twenty through twenty three. Hmm. hmm. All right. Well, guys, we've gone a little bit longer here. Any final discussion points before we sign off? That the next game on Wednesday against Edmonton is at 10 p.m. So everybody just brace yourself for the fact that this game is getting over after midnight. No, no. Bridget, you know what I really love, though, is when they have a 10 o'clock game and then they also have another late game the next night. That's that just does wonders for for my sleep. Well, yeah, and no, there's well, that's what they're on a road trip where they're they're going to be doing a few of them because it's not just those two. Like they, I think they end the road trip with another ten o'clock, right? So yeah. I mean, at least the the Saturday game in Vancouver, at least that's a seven Eastern four local. Because yes. I guess I I did not need a ten o'clock game before Sunday skate. No, no, definitely so not. This- so this uh, this episode currently will drop be dropping on Tuesday, correct? Yeah, I'll post it right now. So, so um, just looking ahead, we might have a bit of a finagled schedule this week. So maybe just looking at the Bruins schedule with the late games, maybe we drop the next episode Friday morning, potentially. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. So then, yeah, get get both of those games, Edmonton, Calgary, in there. Okay. All right, so so there won't be a Wednesday episode this week. Then it sounds like, but Friday we'll we'll be back and talking about Edmonton and Calgary, and they're gonna wanna they're gonna wanna avenge that Calgary loss. That was a stinker. So, um, all right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you very soon. Okay, so one of the things that this podcast has been absolutely elite at <laughs> is logging off and then immediately having news break, like within. 10 to 15 minutes of us wrapping up. And sure enough, after uh, Bridget, are we taking this on to the, to the end of the episode? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So let not even 10 minutes after we wrapped up the podcast, you just listened to Bruins announced that they have recalled Mason Lori from Providence, assigned Oscar Steen to Providence, which we knew was going to happen because they waived him and moved Matt Potter to long-term IR, which they they had no reason to do yet, but uh, was going to happen eventually just to free up cap space. So obviously the, the big item here is, is Mason Lorai is back. And we figured that was worth uh, touching on for at least a couple of minutes here. Um, you know, uh, some, after that news broke, because we were, we talked, we raised that possibility that they, they might need a defenseman. So my head immediately goes to, you know, maybe there is some concern about Campus Lindholm here. Um, we don't know if that is the, you know, direct one-for-one correlation. 
there was nothing in the in the press release that just came out about Hampus Lindholm, so I will note that. Uh. Yeah, well, I, I just unfortunately it just kind of makes us sound dumb at the beginning of the podcast where we're like, maybe Laura will get called up. <laughs> like maybe it's like no, we're well, smart. Makes us sound smart. Oh yeah, well. It does. So in my mind, like this is important to bring up because obviously it's a, it's a transaction and, and we've spent a chunk of the podcast talking about call-ups and, and who we want to see. And, but it also indicates that like the fact that the next call-up is a defenseman um, and he's like, you're one of your skilled defensemen. It, it, it indicates maybe that something is going on with Lindholm. So um, it could be coinciding with that. And obviously they didn't update that. They don't have to, um, because like I said, like we're like Scott said earlier there, they didn't have a practice today. Like there was no media availability on Tuesday. Um, so Wednesday when they, or did they travel tonight or do they travel Wednesday morning? They're, they're traveling Tuesday. Okay. So they're traveling Tuesday. So maybe we might hear if he got on the plane or not. So, but that will be later or it will be five minutes after we finish the uh, part two here and then we'll have to tag on a part three. Yes, because the Bruins will have recalled Fabian Lysel from Providence. Um, <laughs> and which, put in home on IR and yeah, and fired coach. And those are yeah. like, literally we had Bruce Cassidy got fired like 10 minutes after we posted. Oh, um, I mean, at this point, there's been so many, there's been so many, it's, it's, it's literally any time there's been breaking news, I think since 2021, it's been, it's been this, it's been this way. It happened well, last week, two weeks ago with something. What listeners should know is like when they see breaking news, that means like like when they see it pop up on their Twitter, they should go, "Oh, I bet the skate pod just was recording." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and now we know like every time we record a podcast, we just have to you know shoot the shit afterwards for like fifteen minutes, and then you know it'll come across the come across the bow. Which um, we were doing. That which is we why. were doing. Which we were doing. Um, but so for me. The first thing I think of is great, like good that he's back up here. And then, of course, there's the Brian in me that's like annoyed that it takes this for him to get called up. Like, I, I want him there regardless. Um, so he's got the angel, he's got the angel over here. Yeah, it's it, like this Brian, and then this Brian is like, nah, this is well, the, you the know, angry every, Brian is like the one that comes through more. Yeah, hey, every, every podcast needs a villain, right? I mean, we, we can't all be. You know, just little. Well, I thought little... we already decided that was Scott. Oh, that's true. Scott, can you do your Joker voice again from Dark Knight? Brian's definitely the most negative though. So, um, no. Okay, timeout. First of all, I would say that you on, guys on an admittedly usually pretty positive podcast overall. So yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. Look, I, I, you guys, I'm a huge Bruins fan. I, I, I want nothing for them but to succeed, but. You, you know, we have to have somebody who's going to, you know, call them out here and there. You guys, you guys, I understand the game you guys play. You guys, you guys are in the locker room with them. You don't want to ruffle feathers. I'm not. So I'll, I don't mind saying a couple things here and there. Um, but no, I, I, I definitely think that, like, I don't know why it takes an injury to Lindholm to call him back up, but it does. And so now I'm like, at the same time, yeah, that, that sucks. Like, Lindholm could be gone for a bit of time here. But... It one also, thing at a time. 
it also times out, I think, like, injury-wise, he was recovering. Like, he did have something he was going through health-wise. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know when he was fully healed for that. Scott, you might know the answer. Like, did he play in Providence a few games? Like, they might have yeah, wanted he... him to – but they might have wanted to see what he looked like back for a few games there before sending him back up. So, that could have affected the timing, too. But, obviously, it has Lindholm – like, it, it has – it feels like it has something to do with that like Mondays. Yeah. And, and I guess, you know, at at the risk of them announcing like Lindholm underwent season ending surgery right after we log off, um, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Laura being called up, it like, it doesn't mean it's anything long-term or super serious with Lindholm. Like we don't know that it could just be, he's questionable for tomorrow and they want to make sure they, they bring an extra defenseman on the trip. So Exactly. Hey, Xerxes. Xerxes is getting called up too, I think, pretty soon. Um, yeah. Xerxes, I, I, Xerxes does not look thrilled to uh, be on the podcast right well, now. He's not, Xerxes is on a like, – like Brazo, I think Xerxes is still on a on a one-way uh, AHL contract, so he's going yeah. to sign that Xerxes, NHL deal first. Xerxes was just thinking about eating my face for a second there. <laughs> Say hi. Uh, so hi, love, Xerxes. Xer, Xerxes, yeah. let me ask you, are you surprised <laughs> that <laughs> – <laughs> she was so miserable. <laughs> Xerxes, do you think that the uh are you surprised the Bruins gonna call forward uh heading into this long west trip? What do you think about that? What huh? you what you saying over there, Bridget? No? All right, well I'll, I'll ask you guys, Scott and Bridget. Are you surprised that they all didn't subsequently uh call up a forward in, in uh with this long west coast trip coming up? Uh so uh since they did call up Laura? I, I, I'm not because I don't think they could. I don't think they could call anyone up, anyone else up, unless someone goes to injured reserve. Um, or maybe they. Could, I don't know. I, I would have to. I would have to look. I'm. I'm not going to try to do cat math here uh, in real time because you say cat just, math or cat math. Both. <laughs> both. I'm not doing either <laughs> one. Um, yeah, that that'd be disaster if I try to do this in real time. So. Yeah. Impossible. They could maybe also call up a forward. I, I don't know, but um, yeah, they didn't as part of this wave. And I would say, if they don't before Wednesday, then to me that would at least be an encouraging sign that you know at least one of Richard or Loco is is good to go. We we touched on uh, both of them dealing with at least minor injuries, upper body in Loco's case, uh, lower body after a shot block in in Richard's case. Hmm. All right. Well, we had to we had to get that little three on three overtime session in because the the news did just break. And again, like we said, there'll be something else breaking the second we finish here. So you know, stay tuned for that on Friday probably. Um, any any final thoughts on on the lower I call up and what it means or the Lindholm injury and whatnot? No, I think I think that was a, I think that was a good overtime session. I think we actually tried to score. We weren't just circling back into the right. neutral zone. Killing mm-hmm. time, keeping possession. So yeah, it was great. Yeah. I and I didn't get bit. So I don't know if you remember one time I picked up Xerxes and put him on camera and he immediately bit my finger, so I would drop him. <laughs> he thought about it. He thought about it, but he didn't do uh, it. it's the old the old Martian Ryan Callahan special. <laughs> or, or no 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 uh Burroughs and Bergeron. Yeah, Burroughs Chomper. I called him. By the way, yeah. we didn't even we we didn't even touch on on this, but since we just mentioned overtime. Charlie Coyle was like hook. It was like the most blatant hook in the history of hockey. And I was yelling and both, was both yelling refs are looking right off. at it. 
and didn't call it. But but then I thought, you know what? Maybe a good thing because uh, against the Kings, the Bruins got an overtime power play, and that's how they end up losing the game. So yeah, um, no, Scott yeah, literally game. yelled. Like, I don't think I, I don't think I actually it's a fucking hook. Are you blind? Like, oh, come on, come on! It's fucking blind. <laughs> started started launching stuff over the edge of the yeah, press box. Yeah, yep. And I think I heard him yelling "shoot" a few uh, times at the end uh, of regulation when McAvoy was backing up uh, two hundred feet away uh, from the goal. <laughs> <laughs> that was the all time. That was. Oh, the by the way, because like, we haven't uh we haven't talked like on on this podcast since the Kings game. By the way, the way that Kings game ended, like nothing pisses me off more in the entire viewership of of the game of hockey than like falling for the old guy out of the box getting a breakaway and winning. It's like it's in scoring, like the power play. How do you not have the like the the time management in your mind and like just the IQ to know he's coming out of the box, Pasta? You're one of the best players in the world, like. What are you doing with that stupid cross ice pass? It's like the it's the oldest trick in the book. Like I hate when teams fucking fall for that shit. Like how do you succumb to a guy out of the box? Like it's the one thing you're supposed to pay attention to when when you're ending the power play. It's like it, that drives me crazy, especially when it ends a game. Brian's like, that's all so I angry. Up, Brian's so angry he's getting pixelated and breaking <laughs> up. <so. laughs> yeah, we had to blur him. Well, now this podcast has had everything. It had. Uh, it had a Brian almost losing internet connection, like back to old times. It had uh, us having to tack on another segment because they broke news right after we got off and it, and Xerxes made a reappearance and uh, yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually almost organized. To be done now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. See you. See you guys in five minutes when they do something else. All right. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.